0: I'm confused. Recently, I was greatly honored to be asked to do a keynote speech at the Behavioral Safety Now conference. Who, me, I asked? Most of you know that the folks at BSN have pretty much set the gold standard in behavior-based safety thought leadership for some time. In fact, I learned when I got there that I was the only non-PhD keynote speaker ever in 17 years. So, what could a guy like me bring to the party that hasn't been discussed already. Now, my usual morning routine is to push a dumbbell up into the air while listening to Bon Jovi at a level which usually gets my wife pretty mad, although my dog Elvis seems to like it. Lately, my wife's been pretty happy, since I've decided to forego my favorite music in favor of listening to my collection of past presentations from the American Society of Safety Engineers, the National Safety Council, BSN, and the like. It's taken a lot of self-discipline to go from working out with Bon Jovi to pumping iron with BBS consultants, but I'm glad I've done it. And having sifted through the absolute best and worst speakers of these conferences, I have become thoroughly confused. Here's why. I heard a BBS consultant do a presentation on the role of steering committees in BBS, I was eager to learn more. The gentleman started up with a few introductory comments, saying, I have absolutely no research to back up what I'm about to say. It's my opinion. Immediately, red warning lights flashed through my brain. I almost dropped the dumbbell on my head, but caught it in the nick of time. So, okay, I'm about to hear some consultant give me an opinion without any research to back it up. This should be fun, I thought. The consultant went on to offer his advice. I tell all my steering committees, you should meet weekly to decide who to positively reinforce or R-plus in behaviorist lingo. Good. Weekly is sure better than monthly recognition. Next, he said, you should go out and find a person who's done an observation and recognize them in front of their peers. Huh? I thought that public recognition can backfire since some people are afraid their peers will perceive them as the teacher's pet. From what I've read, you never publicly praise a person in front of others without asking that person's permission in advance. Third, you should know your employees and know what's really reinforcing to them. So you need to learn as a manager what each person likes and find something you can say that links to that. For example, If they like bonsai trees, you should find an article about bonsai trees and give it to them and tell them you thought they'd like it. Now, maybe you know a lot of guys who like to grow bonsai trees, but I don't. And if I ever do take up bonsai growing, I'd probably like a bonsai tree more than an article about one. Plus, while it's important to know what people are like and what they're interested in, it's also important to let them choose what's positively reinforcing to them. Fourth, you should celebrate improvements in the process monthly, but never do the same kind of celebration twice in the same year. And oh yes, never ever give people tangible award gifts. Mix up your celebrations. Do pizza this month and watermelon the next. That's the key. Hey, last time I checked, pizza and watermelon are tangible. Unless someone has invented antimatter pizza. While there's a place for company picnics and they have some value... One safety director lamented the fact that we feed them for being safe, and the next minute we tell them to lose some weight in our new wellness program. Hmm. Fifth, celebration should be linked to contingencies. Don't throw a safety party, but be specific about what your team did and why we're celebrating. Now, I like this one. The whole idea of pinpointing a behavior or result, celebrating it as a team, how we improve performance, that's pretty powerful. Six. It's wrong to focus on gifts and awards. You lose the personal touch. You shouldn't give the same gifts to people, but if you do, make sure they have a logo on them. Uh, Earth the Consultant, the latest research of Fortune 100 managers puts logo gifts as the least effective motivator of all. Bill Sims' research shows that over 90% of us have received a logo gift we did not want, need, or use. Conclusion. Most logo gifts become throwaway items in a landfill. Seventh, 500 coffee mugs isn't our plus for anyone. I totally agree, but you've contradicted your earlier statement where you suggested that giving everyone watermelon or pizza is a positive reinforcer. If we can't make 500 people happy with a coffee mug, Logic says we can't do it with 500 pieces of pizza. Plus, I just started my new Dr. Atkins high-protein diet, and I can't eat pizza. Point eight from the consultant. Make the recognition cost as little as you can. When you budget for recognition, less is better. Hold on just a minute now. If you do that, you'll be giving people a pepperoni pizza minus the pepperoni, right? That is punishing in my book. Instead, I say walk softly and carry a big pick. No pun intended there, Aubrey. National research shows $100 to $200 per employee for the year is the norm for recognition, and the numbers are climbing steadily. Point nine from the consultant. Assume everyone will be at 100% participation. This is a classic beginner's mistake. In this scenario, the beginner takes his tiny $25 per employee budget and assumes a worst case scenario that all employees will participate to the maximum level so they make the reinforcer an itsy bitsy teeny weeny whatever in fact it's hard to get a hundred percent of people to do anything studies show forty percent of all employees don't cash in their Walmart Visa and American Express gift cards so by planning that a hundred percent of people will participate you actually shoot yourself in the foot instead Make the R-plus bigger, and you'll get more people to engage. Point 10 from our friendly consultant. You should reserve 10% of your budget for individual recognition and 90% for monthly group celebrations. This one flies in the face of all logic and reason. First, we know the most powerful R-plus is that that is linked to behavior within 15 seconds. That means we need to reinforce individuals, not groups. Group reinforcement while creating powerful peer pressure might be positive, but it certainly is not immediate, and by George it is uncertain. In Aubrey's book and mine, PIC blows the doors off PIU's hands down any day of the week. Maybe you're as confused now as I was. There sure does seem to be a lot of confusion on the part of companies who have implemented BBS over the last 15 years. Some of it's absolutely hilarious. For example, a company was interviewing BBS consultants in their selection process. One Ph.D. was asked, How many failures have you had? He replied, We don't know. We didn't follow up with our clients after we trained them in our process. (laughs) To prepare for my BSN keynote, I conducted a survey of companies to see how their BBS processes are going. You can get a copy of that survey along with a link to one of my presentations free